This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have Andrew Scholes. You know him, the comedian, actor, producer, podcaster, superstar, and he has a new Netflix special, Schultz Saves America. Somebody needs to save America, that's for sure. Tell me, my friend, we have, what, a few episodes, four episodes already in the can out there. The topics go from coronavirus to conspiracy to Black Lives Matter. You are not afraid of the tough subjects. That's what I love. The one thing I worry about tackling tough subjects as in the comedy realm is that for some reason, if you're a politician or a business person, you can say whatever you want today. 20 years from now, no one's going to hold it against you. I mean, two in politics, two minutes ago, you know, they're not going to hold it against you. Our favorite comedians, and I know we share the same guys, Eddie Murphy, you know, and on. I mean, Chris Rock gets fried for stuff that he says 10 years ago that was perfectly yeah. acceptable, not just in comedy, but in life. Now you're persecuted. Do you ever worry about the snapshot of comedy, of being judged or, you know, talking about these tough subjects, even though you're doing it? in this great comedy realm to be taken seriously 10 years from now when things may not be socially acceptable. No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and why not? Um, because that's what it is. You know, this is just, this is the game that you choose. It's like, if you choose to play football, you know that you're not going to walk the same when you're older and, uh, but you love playing football and you want to play the game in the way that you know, in the way that you love so that you, you know, you commit yourself to it in that way. And like, whatever happens in the future happens in the future. Fuck them. That's you, the way I look at it. And do you think that, you know, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, the, the elder statesmen of comedy, do you think they were treated fairly? Because they didn't have that perspective, right? They had no idea the reach that they would have with their content, the political, or do you think they should have? Um, I don't think that they really get canceled. That's the thing about like this cancel culture shit that a lot of people don't understand is like the cancel culture is never about the person that's being canceled, right? The person that's being canceled is a tool, right? And they're using that person as a way to... Uh, get a billion dollar corporation to bend the knee, right? So if you're some nerd that lives in their grandma's basement, usually you can't get the attention of a billion dollar corporation. But if you use something that I say or somebody else says that is offensive, you can get that billion dollar corporation to be absolutely terrified that they could lose some sort of value in the eyes of the consumer and they might start to change their practices. So I think it's a big ego stroke for these guys. And to be honest, my Netflix special proved it. Like I never had any problems with like canceling or anything. Cause I did everything on my own. I did with my team. We put it on Instagram. We put it on YouTube, et cetera. I do this one special for Netflix. All of a sudden these bloggers are writing about, Oh, this is racist. This is problematic. This is this, this is the other. It's like, it might be the most fair piece of content in the history of content. Like in terms of entertainment content i'm not talking about like an essay that you write for like you know uh some sort of like a doctorate thesis i'm talking about just pure entertainment content it might be the most fair in terms of the way it positions both sides and the people that we make fun of and the fact that we make fun of everybody but people are always going to find that one little thing they can nitpick at it's no different than the other content i was making frankly my other content gets just as many millions of views right it's not like netflix is providing me with like more millions of people like we already do stuff for millions of people, 
you know? So it's like, we were, we were, did the Netflix thing because one, it's like a validation thing in the eyes of many people, you know, like for me, I don't care, but like they, there are consumers out there who see something on Netflix and then they're like, Oh wow, that's real. Now you're a professional, right. you know? So we did it in hopes that we could take those people and bring them back to our platforms and also maybe establish a relationship with Netflix and, you know, continue to maybe cook up some stuff. But it, it, if you really look at the way cancel culture works, you can't really be canceled or they have no interest in canceling you from yourself. They only want to cancel you from these billion dollar corporations. Right. And as a content creator, you only have to be concerned with your shareholders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if my shareholders are the people who listen to my content or watch my content, fuck with what I do that, you know, they're into my type of content. I can't piss them off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can only piss off or uh, Netflix shareholders who watch Netflix for Queens Gambit and not for Andrew Schultz content and then watch some Andrew Schultz content and go, wait, 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 wait this is a little offensive. This is a little crazy. And then Netflix has to make that decision. That's why it's tricky to be a Netflix. You yeah. know, like you have to manage soccer moms and hipsters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you have to manage like religious black people and vegans. Like there are all these different groups of people <laughs> that you have to make sure they're okay. And not Netflix, I think, has done a good job. But like the reason why like network TV is so watered down is because they're trying to appease everybody. You try to please everybody, you please nobody. Yeah, you know what's so funny about network and you know I've had the playbook on Fox Sports. I have my new TV show on Bloomberg which is, you know, as far as critical eye for the straight guy, a ridiculous, you know, uh, stream to be on with Bloomberg TV. But the interesting thing that I find and I've been given free content out like you for years, uh which works to build that frequency and audience is that the credibility, this is amazing. I most of my audience don't they don't even know how to find Bloomberg. They, 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 they couldn't find it if, if they begged themselves to find If I gave them a scavenger hunt and said, first person to show me my show on Bloomberg, you know, you get a hundred grand. It would take like two hours, I think, for someone to finally send it to me. But when you tell them that it's on Bloomberg television, even though they're going to watch it on Amazon Prime, right? That's where they're going to watch it or on Pluto or whatever. They go crazy. Oh, my God. Dave, you're so you're you're no longer a D-lister. You're a C-lister now. This is incredible. You got a Bloomberg show. Um, what do you think it is about the younger generation that they don't even have cable subscriptions? But if you tell them you're on TV, you have this credibility that then accelerates the content that's on YouTube, on Netflix, on Amazon. Yeah, I think that like the, the younger generation cares less because they see YouTube as TV. So it's becoming less and less important, but they still do watch Netflix. And I think the way that we organize the world is always through hierarchies. So Netflix has done a great job of like establishing themselves at the top of that hierarchy. There was a time where HBO was at the top of that hierarchy. And then, you know, we attach validation to that. You know, it's no different than like a blue check on Instagram or Twitter. All of a sudden it means more with something with a blue check who has even less followers than someone without a check. But for whatever reason, that means more as if they're, you know, um, some somehow more valuable. So I understand, like, that's how people organize the world. Like, for example, if there was like some Harvard Business School consultant that was going to come like consult for, you know, somebody's uh, company. Right. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would choose that guy over me when I've had way more success in my field and probably made way more money than them. 
but I don't have the Harvard consulting accreditation. Now, the savvy businessman who's been in business will probably look at what I've built and gone like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear what that kid has to say because he's actually done it. But the person who has no clue about business, they're just trying to get some advice from someone. Harvard seems nice. And I don't blame them for that. Right. We got to right. figure it out. It's like you're hiring a babysitter for your kids. Right. You need someone to say they're a good babysitter. Right. You're not going to hire a babysitter who's never babysat. Your friend Mike goes, yeah, he's good with the kids. The kids are good. You know, like get home. They don't look molested. All right. Hire. You know, that's what it is. That's really how it works out. So that's I think I, I don't blame people for feeling that way. And as a you know content creator businessman, I can uh, operate within that world as well. And I can go, OK, let me use the validation of a Netflix to get more people to uh you know, put some respect on the content we do and then get over their own issues with non-validated content and then maybe start to get something from what we do. And validation is a big part of everyone's life. And you have a great mindset on validation, on, you know, seeking the approval of others or wanting everyone to like you. You know, where did your life philosophy come from? And, you know, can you articulate that philosophy uh, to help other people kind of share in the acceptance that you have uh, for yourself and others? Man, I don't know. That's a good ass question, bro. I've just always <laughs> been curious. You know, I've always been curious. I like riling people up. I like when people feel very passionately about something, I like to like test, you know, how well they know what they're feeling. You know, it could be anything. You could be like a big fan of a sports team, big fan of a religion, big fan of anything. I just kind of like want to pick away for whatever reason. I don't know why I'm like a, Maybe I've got a little bit of a trolling instinct in me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not sure why. And uh, the more people tell me something is finite, the more I want to prove that it's not. So I have that kind of curiosity to me. And I think that's maybe where I, you know, comedy and I uh, have this kind of uh, intersection. I think that's what comedy is in a lot of ways is just seeing something from a different perspective and like defending the indefensible. And for me, it's just a, it's just a really fun, uh, I guess, mental exercise. And, um, but in terms of life, man, I don't know. Everybody needs something different. There's a bunch of guys out there that will tell you, you know, the one way you got to live life or, I mean, look, man, I get fucking sad and shit just like everybody else. I feel unfulfilled just like everybody else. I mean, I'm looking for forward to a point in my life, you know, many years down the line where I don't need purpose. You know, like right now I need purpose. I need a project. I need something to work on, something, a goal. Like I need a, a dragon to slay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if okay, there's a pandemic. Nobody's making content. All right, I'm going to make the most fire content during a pandemic. Watch, bet. Okay, you know, there's, I can't get a special over here. I'm going to make it so comics don't even do specials on, you know, streaming platforms. They only put it on YouTube and Instagram. I, like, I love having that thing to dig my teeth into. But I'm looking forward to a point in my life many years down the line where I'm going to wake up and go, I can't wait to do nothing today and feel okay about myself. You know, I'd feel miserable if I did nothing one of these days. But in the future, that is a challenge that I hope that I can, uh, you know, win, I guess. I love that. I would be so successful. My purpose is going to be to do nothing and be happy and fulfilled doing nothing. Um, one of the things is stand up comedy, and it's obviously changed over the years. And I was blessed to be around Robin Williams and others mm -hmm. in person, live backstage and get to see the inner workings of stand up comedians and you know, guys like Robin Williams, in my opinion, were the smartest human beings I've ever met. I mean, mm. the ability to create on the fly 
and with you know the most skeptical of audiences to perform for was an incredible feat which you know i tried to mirror in life and business to have that type of perspective but now you know the rejection is different you were talking about it earlier with trolls etc you know how has your skill set of dealing with rejection evolved from standing on stages and getting booed off of them uh, to being trolled by millions of people. And, you know, obviously the acceptance is there, but now th there's a lot of rejection still. I mean, I, I, I use the trolling, you know, like very few people go watch a comedy special because of, uh, you know, how amazing people say it is. Way more people watch a comedy special because of how outrageous people say it is. So the best for me, the best marketing is when these bloggers go, this was so offensive. I can't believe this is on television. How could something this offensive and outrageous be on television? Then the average person goes, well, I got to see this shit. This is, this is unique. This is a car accident. This is something special. So I build that into the marketing. If I know that you're going to be outraged, you might as well do some marketing for me. Because yeah. I want to see the comedy special that gets the reviews that say this is too offensive to be on TV. That's the thing I'm going to click on. What I won't click on is somebody going, oh, my God, Kevin Hart is so wholesome and funny. I'm not watching it. <laughs> if it's Kevin Hart said something wildly offensive, I can't believe Netflix put it on, click. So I use the trolls. Like, the trolls can be my best PR team, to be honest. I don't want to be out there doing podcasts and promote this shit all the time. Y'all do it. You know what I mean? If you're going to get clicks off my name, I might as well get clicks off yours. So yeah, I'm, not, I'm not angry at that, but I'm also in a position where I cannot be angry at it because I have my podcast. I have my stand up. I have these things that I can go and like provide food for my family. Whereas there might be someone who they need good reviews on their movie or else they might not be able to make a movie again. It's so interesting. Like I've almost thought about like paying people to, to pick at my podcast, you know, yeah. <laughs> to raise, raise resistance against nothingness. Was, I forget which Disney star became a, a rock star, but you know, one of the middle of the road, very mainstream Disney people that got on stages to sing. And it was like, they paid people to protest, you know, how disgusted and, and it was like, are you kidding? Like, this is ridiculous, but people responded accordingly. Um, now, on the podcast, The Brilliant Ideas, you know, you have a yeah. very unique platform. For you, what is the purpose and the joy that you get out of your, I, for me, it's finding the playbook, right? Getting, asking the questions, like my heart sings when someone says, hey, you know, no one's ever asked me that, or that's a good question. That's my, my ultimate purpose here is to dig deep so that someone says, shit, I, I get how he thinks. For you, mm -hmm. when you have all these people on there, you have such a unique way of extracting, you know, emotion or, or personality. What's the purpose for you of brilliant idea, uh, brilliant idiots? Honestly, just talking shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like brilliant idiots is just talking shit with my boy, like Charlemagne the God, and I have been friends for God. It feels like a decade now, but we just love talking shit, and uh, and we f we felt there was a time where we felt like that you know the way that we reacted to these you know topical events was super relatable in a kind of visceral almost like lizard brain way you know so it might not be like the intellectual reaction to it but it's the barbershop reaction 
right? It's the, you know, the street reaction. It's the basketball court reaction. It's you having beers with the boys reaction. Like these are the conversations you're going to have with your friends. And then we were basically putting them out there on the airwaves. And that just didn't exist in a lot of ways. You know, like, it was just kind of like shocking for a lot of people. So those were just so much fun, you know, and then obviously flagrant too. That's the set you guys can see in the background that yeah. I do with Akash saying Alex media, Mark Gagnon. And uh, I mean, that's just like, just the flagrancy, man. It's just like what we stand for in comedy is like going for it. What is the take you cannot say? What is the joke you cannot make? Like, how do you, how do you find a way to like thread the needle? You know, I had a buddy of mine who uh, wrote on uh, Netflix special, Robbie Slovic, man. He texted me the funniest joke, man. It was so brilliant. And it was a perfect example of flagrancy. And it was like the Jets just uh, hired a new uh, coach. Uh, New York Jets just hired a new coach, uh, Jonathan Salah, I think his name is. And uh -huh. it was the, he's the uh, first uh, Muslim coach in the, in the NFL. And uh, Robbie sent me a tweet, something like, uh, no, he sent me a text. I'm going to get it so I don't butcher it. Right. But, on. uh, and I'll try, I'll try but, not to smile because as you know, if I smile or laugh at this joke, then that's going to condemn me as well as being flagrant and oh. inconsiderate. Uh, you better not, bro. <laughs> you better not. I mean, that would I'm just be super... right now. My, I'm telling my team, take me off of this screen. You do not want to see my reaction. Okay, ready? He goes, uh, hope it goes better than the last time Muslims teamed up with Jets in New York. Oh, shit. Oh, God, that's good. Oh, wow. Now, <laughs> that is... An incredible oh. joke. Now there are people going to be like, what are you saying? Are you justifying? Uh, Nobody's justifying any action. What you're literally doing is taking a string. It's no different than a beautiful mind or any of those fucking detective movies. You are connecting these dots that are so far apart and doing it in a way that people did not see coming. It's almost a math problem in a way. And it was just so funny, but that's the flagrancy, you know? So flagrant two is just about that is saying the things that shouldn't be said and, and it's just, uh, I don't want to seem like I'm doing like a promo for Flagrant 2, but like, no, but you should. those are the things that we love, that we well, love, that we stand for. And you do. And one of the lessons that I've learned from you is I call it the Dr. Pimple Popper lesson. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, I met that great entrepreneur, Gary Vee, and he told me, Dave, you could build your own brand. And I'm like, I'm a middle-aged mutant turtle. Who's yeah. going to, you know, I've represented the greatest athletes, celebrities, entertainers, who wants to listen to me. And he said, you just got to find your frequency and the one person I found that inspired me was Dr. Pimple Popper because she, like, I'm thinking to myself, there's nothing more offensive or gross than watching someone popping pimples. And yet it. she has more followers. Uh, she has more people subscribing to her on YouTube. She has her own TV show now as well. More people than the entire Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I was marketing at the time. And I'm adding up all the different subscribers going, how is it that this lady that pops pimples has more subscribers than all of my heroes, right? All of yeah. my football heroes combined, including my business partner, Warren Moon. I told him, I said, you know how unpopular you are? This lady pops pimples and she has 2 million more subscribers than you do. What are we going to do about this? But that was encouraging to me. And you were also one of my favorite beginning uh, early day YouTube stars because that same frequency, it encouraged me to say, look, you know what? There's so many billions of people out there. If you just stick to who you are and don't have a need to be offended and you just stick to it without any harm, you have only good intentions. That's what comes through, even though, yes, what you say, I'm sure some people can say, oh, that's awful. That's terrible. Right. But I can see your intention in trying to make people laugh, right? Yeah. Trying to make people happy. 
And for me, I think that's just as important as somebody being socially correct or independently educating all of us on what should be or could be. And I'm, you know, known for kindness is my frequency and happiness, but I have to admit, you know, I love the freedom and the frequency that you have, and we'll call it the flagrant frequency that you have because it's needed out sure. there and it balances the yeah. counterculture of cancel. And you, you should be given the medal of honor from our next president uh, when it's safe uh, to get back to the White House. <laughs> nah, I don't want any awards. I don't want any medals of honor. So many expectations come with those shits. But I hear you, man. And look, there's space for everybody. Like, there's space for, like, the woke folks. We're going to make fun of them, just like we're going to make fun of everybody. You know, like, what we do is comics, we make fun of institutions. You know, sometimes people become institutions. Sometimes comedy becomes an institution. So you got to make fun of that as well. You know, so it's like, just th this idea that, like, People always have this idea like we need to be so open minded. We have to be more open minded. But then those people never seem to be open minded about people who disagree with them. So you're not really saying we need to be open minded. You're really just saying people need to agree with me. Why? Why are more people <laughs> agreeing with me? That's messed up. Isn't that messed up? So I guess what I say is like, yo, you're allowed to blog about me. I don't want to stop you from blogging about me. You're allowed to write the negative comments. You got to do whatever you fucking want. You can do whatever you want. It ain't stopping me, you know? So I'm going to continue to do what I want. And then what a great world that we live in where we all get to have our opinions and that's fine. And that's totally cool. And, you know, we need some of these woke fucks because every once in a while they got some good ideas. Right. They did. You know what I mean? Like we're making fun of these woke fucks now. But back in the day, it was a woke fuck that was like, yo, maybe women should vote. You know what I mean? And then I'm sure a bunch of dudes were like, look at this fucking woke fuck. Look at what a nerd. This guy is these guys is women, you know, so there was a problem. And then, you know, later on, boom, it ends up working out. So they have some good ideas, too. They have a lot of shitty ideas, but they also have some good ideas. And yeah, when they become good ideas, we can stop making fun of them and making jokes about it because then it becomes boring. So that's great. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's it's really not that fucking everybody's making things. The problem with the woke shit is just, you know, we were talking about it on some podcast. I forget, but it's just like. We got to stop like I don't like giving everything names because it makes it too normal. Like we're trying to make everybody's weird, kinky shit normal. You know what I mean? Like you should not have a name for your thing so that you should have to describe it and then feel like a weirdo. That's good. You know what I mean? Like I like feet. I don't want you to make a, a sciency name about that. I just want to say, yeah, I like feet. And then you could look at me weird for a second. Or if you're into it, you go, ah, I get it. And then that's fine. But don't call me, oh, I'm a pedophilia, whatever, pedophilia. Oh, Isn't it called? Aren't don't feet? call it. Exactly. Podiatrist. No, oh, yeah. Pedophile is way different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to go. No, no. We'll get Podi the on people. Podiatrist, I think, is feet. Isn't it? Yeah. Podiatrist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's way too close. See, that's why you can't name shit. You can't name shit. <laughs> yeah. Point proven. We, we oh my gosh, we'll end on that note. Oh, Andrew Schulz, you are incredible comedian, actor, producer, podcaster. Two different podcasts that kick ass. You have to see Flagrant Two. Listen to that as well as, of course, Brilliant Idiots and the new Netflix special. Schulz saves America. I'm going to tell you, if anyone's going to save America, I interviewed Dennis Rodman and. He said something super cool to me. It was early on. He said, you know, if anyone can save the world, you can save America, Andrew. He said, it's me. I said, why is that? He said, because I'm the only human on earth that's friends with both, both the man in North Korea 
and our president. I'm friends with, I'm the only one that's friends with both. I can actually save the world. And I said, there you have it. That now is why I will stay up for the next four years without sleeping. And uh, you should have seen how young I used to look before this presidency. So <laughs> thank you so much for raising our awareness and laughing Absolutely. at it. I love it, man. Uh, people join us. This is David Melser with the incredible Andrew Scholes here on Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.